on the way to deliverance is the topic for today. On the way to deliverance is the topic for today. To be delivered is to be rescued or to be set free. It is to escape, it is to be relieved, it is to be released, it is to be liberated. Some of us may know that we are tripartite. 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 I checked that with the ship. That's okay. Tripartite. Made of spirit, soul, and body. We are not animals. We have a heart, not just in terms of cardiology, the physical heart, but the heart that in the Old Testament sometimes it can be confused with the word spirit. I told you previously that actually in Arabic, in Swahili, the word for heart is raw. Roha, roh, which is the same for spirit, Rom Takatifu, Holy Spirit in Swahili, is the same word for heart. Let's pray. Loving Father, we bless you this morning and we pray that by your Holy Spirit you help us, Lord, you Teach us, Lord, and you preserve us from the spirit of error. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are commanded to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, with all our spirit, and with all our strength. This is not a mere intellectual exercise. That happens only in our head. I heard in English there's something called head knowledge or bookish knowledge. That's not what we're talking about here. If you delight in doing academic exercise, there is a risk that that kind of knowledge with stuck in your head. But if you delight in the word of God, that will sink in your heart. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. If it's the word of God that fills our hearts, then what will come out is holy. If it's a mere academic exercise, the Bible says knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. The word of God is being 
be received in our heart. It's not an intellectual. It's fair to say that God is not against knowledge. Because in order to translate this, these people have to study. You need to know how to type out, etc. But that is the outside. But fundamentally, the word of God is to be received in our heart if we have to live a victorious and meaningful Christian life. God did not give his word as an intellectual exercise. No. That's why he repeatedly promised to give a new heart. He offers to give a new heart. A heart of flesh, not a carnal. A heart of flesh means a sensitive. Because if you touch this with a pin, with a knife, there is something sensitive here. That kind of heart that is sensitive to the word of God. That can be changed and transformed by the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of heart God wants. Not stubbornness. We want to see the joy. There is joy in obeying God. We want to grow. We need to obey the word of God. The friendship of God is for those who fear. Otherwise, round and round and round, no joy, nothing. The Lord our God is interested in what is going on in our hearts. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now that's key. That's foundational. You listen to someone speaking, listen all the time to what they say, you will know what is inside. Mm -hmm. Simple. No special discernment needed. Just listen. For every man draws from the treasure in his heart. If it's a bad treasure, that's what you see. If it's a good treasure, that's what you see. And if it's a good treasure, it edifies. In the book of Colossians, we are commanded to be that the word of the word of Christ should dwell in us richly. You see, we may know that passage intellectually, but what comes out of our mouth does not reflect that. So we have that intellectual, that knowledge, but what actually transpires does not reflect the reality of the transforming power of the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, able to transform, to change us into more Christ-likeness. A good man, out of good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. In what, in what goes into the heart. For a tree is known by its Anyone in this church who is engaged in a daily Bible reading according to a year's Bible reading plan, the church suggests at the beginning of this year would have read Exodus chapter 
11 to 13 up to yesterday. And today is 14 to 16, I guess. Very good, because we're singing from the same hymn sheet. We can build on that, because everybody is right, we understand, we're all going the same direction. That's very good. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for the person who wrote it. Praise the Lord for the person who brought it in the church. And praise the Lord for the table that carried it for a year. <laughs> okay. After every Egyptian's firstborn died, the Bible says in Exodus chapter 11, verse 7, but against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue against man or beast, that you may know, that is 11 verse 17, 11, 7, but against the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue, against man or beast, that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptian and Israel, that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. We all want to be blessed and we want to think that we are the best. We want to, we want to think that we are the prettiest. We want to think that we are the wisest, the strongest, etc. Question. How much difference does God make in our lives compared to the unbelievers? The will of God here was that we know the Israelite, a difference between them and the Yahweh and the Egyptian and the idolatry. What does the difference God make in your life, in my life? What's the difference? What is new? What's that former thing that has passed away and things have become new? Can you make a list of those things that have passed away? And a list of those things that have become new. And to describe with certainty what different God makes in our lives. What is the difference? Pharaoh is a type of the enemy. And he will not let us go easily and will make every attempt to maintain us into his grip, bondage. God is wise and wants to give his children a complete deliverance. And I'm reminding the topic on the way to deliverance, I should add, genuine deliverance. Because Jesus Christ said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free Indeed. Not just free. Not just an illusion. A feeling of freedom. No. The reality of freedom. Well, I've had quite a few things. Uh, when we talk about these things, we say, oh, unless you can show me in a Bible verse that what I'm doing is wrong, then I have no justification. Unless you can show me in the Bible that I should not drink alcohol, then I would say, unless you could show me from the Bible 
that I should not smoke. Unless you can show me from the Bible that I cannot do makeup like Egyptian. Unless, 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 well, I can't show you everything. But there is something in the Bible, the verse that says, everyone is a slave of what has triumphed over him. If you cannot free from something, you are a slave of it. Mm, yeah. As simple as that. You know it's bad. Rather than forsaking or bringing to the Lord God, you find justification unless you show me what is written in the Bible. Why are you slave? Because you can't free yourself. Simple. On the way to complete deliverance, God wants to deliver us. Don't give justification. Bring to the Lord. Take it to the Lord in prayer, says the song. Or you will become a slave of it forever. You will be a trap, a snare for your Christian life. There won't be joy. If you think I'm doing prayer, it doesn't matter. You know, nobody should talk to me what to do. I've been like that. Man, we have to learn the ways of God. Today I'm going to attempt to integrate preaching and teaching. It's quite short. I'm doing what is preaching or teaching today, but I think it's preaching and teaching. As we journey together with the Israelites to learn the Lord's ways, we will do so by walking through uh, quite a few chapters here, maybe 12. <laughs> no, but we'll be on time in the book of Exodus and see how far we can go and what we can learn about it. That says, let's read, start with the first. Well, I want to start by the end, lest I forget something important. I'm starting by the end. Please turn with me to Exodus chapter 13, verse 17 to 22. That Exodus 13, verse 17 to 22. Then it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let people go, that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, for God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in order to run out of the land of Egypt. Verse 19. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. Verse 20. So they took their journey from Sukkot and camped in Edom at the age of the wilderness, verse 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of clouds to, to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or pillar of fire by night from before their people. Now, what is happening here? The Bible tells us that the Lord, who was leading his people, had a choice to take a shortcut. 
for them. But that would mean having to fight the Philistines. The Philistines. But that would be intense fight. And the Bible says there was a risk that some of the people among the Israelites will be discouraged and scared and will return to Egypt because of the intensity of the fight. God said, I'm not going to do that. Let's take this way. This way is difficult. It's the way of the wilderness. It's the way of the Red Sea. There is no quick fix in Christianity. There must be a slow and firm process of spiritual maturation. What do you think about a toddler who is just learning to make first steps and someone coming and telling the toddler, oh, I think you can run for the London Marathon by faith. <laughs> but that's what we do. That's what you find in churches. Someone becomes a Christian now and they say, we're teaching you how to fight the devil. And they give them formulas and words of victory. They call that, what's that? Warfare. You know? And they think that's what it is, actually. You know, wherever they look, you know, but in the name of Jesus, we do it. And then when there is a small noise of the rats, they run away. But they grow that that's war, spiritual warfare. Because that's what they've been taught. Cast off demons, do this, do that, do that. No obedience, nothing, just cast out demons. That's what they've been, they've been taught. You can't witness, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that again. That is called quick fix. And guess what? When they get into difficulties, they begin to doubt God. If you go this way, yes, you get the glory, you are a servant, you can do this, you can teach, you can do that, you can intercede, you can do this and that. But you will be very quickly discouraged if the foundation, the ground is not there. Because the devil is not in the business of fantasy. Now, the devil seeks to destroy. And the Bible says, let not many of you be teachers. Be careful. Because you will be judged more, judged more severely. Because you are supposed to know what you are teaching. Everybody is Billy Graham. Everybody is Elijah. Everybody. But when you scratch a little bit more, there's nothing. There's nothing deep, really. Because what we pretend and the reality of what we display, there's nothing. We just cause it chaos. God say now, I know that way is quick. But I'm not going to take you that way. You go this way. There's a Red Sea. Why? 
when God led his people around the way of the wilderness and the Red Sea, the children of Israel moved forward. Have you noticed that? That's verse 18. So God led the people around the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. Listen carefully what follows. And the children of Israel went up in orderly way. God is a God of order. But in the times of the judges, the book of Judges closed by saying there was no king. Everybody did what they want. There's no king. There's no pastor. So, anybody can do what they want. There's no pastor. In the day of Israel, there was no king. Everybody could do what they want. Does that make a difference if there's no pastor? For a true believer, it doesn't make any difference if we understand that Jesus is the pastor. Amen. It doesn't make any difference. In Israel, those who understood that God was their king, it didn't make any difference. The spirit of obedience. The children of Israel moved in an orderly way. We serve a God of order. There must be order. We need to put order in our own life. We need to put order in our families. We need to put order in the church. And we have to be agents of order in the workplace, in the society. Because we are called salt and light in this world. Have you heard something called pandemonium? Pandemonium. Those who practice spiritism tell you that they visit pandemonium. It's, a, it's another world reality of chaos and complete confusion. We should be there like that with the children of God in our lives. Our life should not be a pandemonium. It has to be order because we serve a God of order. The children of Israel were moving orderly with God at the front to lead them. Guess what? As they went by the dead, they crossed the Red Sea on the ground, on the dry land. What happened? God was at the front of them in the night, the pillar of cloud, in, in, in the day, in the night, the pillar of fire. Oh, something happened. The Egyptians followed them with their chariots. They followed them. That pillar of fire went behind the Israelites. The same pillar of fire was giving light to the Israelites and darkness to the Egyptians. I call that 360 degree protection for God. Hallelujah. For his people. What is dear to us? The word of God? Jesus Christ? Is a stumbling block for his enemies. Mm, yeah. The Bible says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against any unrighteousness and those who suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness. The truth of God that brings light. Jesus Christ was presented as the light of the world and is being suppressed in our society and darkness is being promoted. Mm. The same word of God. Is a blessing to us and is an offense for those who are dying. 
360 degree protection from God. Both the wilderness and the Red Sea are necessary to our spiritual growth because the testing of our faith produces patience. There's no patience this day. There's no patience. We want to do everything fast. This is not happening. Let's give an opportunity for God to. The children were very shocked and provoked, and I did that intentionally when I was speaking to them about the failures of God. All of them. <laughs> the little one, look at me. God cannot fail. I said, No, can a parent fail? To lead their children the way they want them to go. Disobedience is what I call the failure of God. That's why Jacob prevailed. God is trying like this, stiffening. God tries like this, resistance. God tries like this, God is trying, spending a lot of time trying to draw attention on something bigger. On maturity, on growth, on the knowledge of God. But we can't. We need the wilderness. We need those red seas. I was speaking to Ken Ham from us in Genesis. He was telling me, oh, gee, I've had quite a lot of red seas in my life. We do need those red seas. You've heard so many people saying about, uh, whenever I hear that, I'm not taking that seriously. When someone says to me, oh, God has broken me. Has broken me? I don't take that seriously. Do you know why? A broken life does not need to say it. You just look. That's a broken person. Doesn't need to advertise. I've been broken. Now, a broken person, you just see. That's a broken person. There is patience, there is humility, there is love of God, genuine faithfulness unto God, etc. No need to advertise. God is breaking me. Let's see the end. Job doesn't need to tell people that God was broken him just to see. The conclusion, my ear heard about God, now I've seen God. How? That's brokenness. But that's what God wants. Lack of brokenness is the problem. But God will take the... Okay, let's turn to the next one then. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And read from verse uh, 1. Deuteronomy 8 and read from verse 1 to verse uh, 6. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply. And go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way for 40 years in the wilderness for, to do what? Number one, 
to humble you, number two, to test you, number three, to know what was in your heart. Whether you would keep his commandment or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did you, your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Verse 4, your garment did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these forty years. Verse 5, you should know in your heart that as a man chases his son, so the Lord your God chases you. Mm. God is in the business of transforming a heart here. He wants to know because what God wants mostly is our heart. That's why he found David, a man after his own heart. And God delights in David as opposed to Saul. God wants our hearts. God wants to be established. He wants to change us. He wants us to be provoked when he is provoked. He wants us to be angry when he is angry. I say to someone, I say, Jesus Christ one day found people transforming his house into business and money-making activity, etc. And uh, he wasn't happy. And he said, Le zèle de, ma, de ma, la maison de mon père me dévore. The zeal of my house devours me. Literal translation. You know it better than me. And I say, oh, I would be happy if I would be diagnosed with the same symptom. If that attitude was disorder from the Lord, if that was a psychological disorder, I'm for it. <coughs> Order must be maintained in the house of God. There is someone who was, uh, I think he was uh, Harold Grant's child, in health. Was the son of Eliezer who was Aaron's child, a son. There was a time where, before the tent of the meeting, people were mourning, seeking the Lord God, and a man came with uh, a foreign lady, fish was called Cosby, 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 I think it is, Cosby, right in front of Moses, right in front of Moses and went with that lady inside the tent and committed immorality. And everybody was looking. Phineas, Aaron's grandchild, came with a javelin and pissed both of them at the same time. And they died. And then followed God's judgment. 23,000 people died on the same day because they were supporting that. And order and holiness was restored in the camp of the children of Israel. 23,000, nobody was provoked. The man of God, Moses sitting there, and someone coming right in the tent of a meeting, inside, and committing morality, and no one is provoked. 
And Vinaya stood up with a javelin and pistol. The word of God is the sword of the Holy Spirit. We do need people like Phineas who would know how to use the word of God to please God. Stand by it steadfastly to maintain order. When the foundations are destroyed, what shall the righteous do? If the church itself has no standard, what shall we do? We want to do evangelism, what for? To feel good about it? To bring people here so that they will be worse? Or to show that there is a difference between those who believe in God and those who don't? Why do we want evangelists? Why do we want new people? Why do we want more people? Is it for God? Or is it for us, for us to feel good and look, we now make a church? Why do we want more people? We need people who get in the word of God seriously. Not just in their head, but in their heart. Trust God. For the friendship of God is for those who fear Him. Everything we do, everything we say, must be for one purpose, only one. Perfecting your holiness in the fear of God. Everything we do must work towards greater fear of God and reverence. If the foundations are destroyed, what shall the righteous do? If the soul that is in us loses its saltiness, it's good to, to, be, to do what? To be thrown away and trampled by the unbelievers. Because the Lord says, unless your righteousness exceeds the Pharisees' righteousness. It's impossible, you can't. If we lose our saltiness, then everything we say, everything we do, means nothing. The government, the unbeliever, they will just look at us rubbish. Because we are, I think it was Gandhi, I think it was Gandhi who said, oh, if, if the Christian were like Jesus Christ, I would become a Christian. Gandhi. Well, God is not in the business of talking. God wants a genuine transformation. He took the Israelites to teach them his ways. Because he wants his people. And he began to see all the difficulties. From one miracle to another, problems everywhere. Complaining everywhere. Stubbornness everywhere. Taking foreign wives, idolatry. Oh, do you know that God blessed them? And God caused the Egyptians to do favor to the Israelites by giving them a lot of jewelry, etc., and things. Well, that became a curse. They used that to make a golden calf. Mm. What does the Bible say? When the riches and the wealth are increasing, do not attach your hearts to it. It will become a snare, a trap. There you are. God did favor to them. They came out of Egypt with so much riches, and now what do they do? They bow before.
و مامون Careful with riches Love God with all your heart Pursue righteousness first The kingdom of God first Lest we get trapped A good sister of mine once say we need to travel light. Does the Bible say laying aside every weight and every sin that ensnares us so easily? Easily. And while looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, travel. Don't be trapped by material pursuits. There is more than that. Man shall not live by bread alone. These people used to work very hard in Egypt to earn their living. God said that's not all. And I've just given you an example in the desert that I can feed you. Your father ate that bread but they died. But the bread that I give you will make you live the bread of life. Jesus Christ. As believers, as pilgrims and sojourners on this earth, let us walk as our forefathers walked. They passed, they confessed that they were pilgrims on this earth. And they looked to the city made by the hand of God. By the way, they did not receive all the promise. But they all died in faith. And Paul said, I have run, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race. Now I know there is a crown laid up for me. Friends, we are called to fight the good fight of faith. It has to be good. Good fight of faith. go to the beginning. If I miss something, that's okay. You've heard the end. <laughs> that's the strategy. Now we can go back to Exodus to the beginning there and see whatever we can glean there. <coughs> okay. So what's happening here? Let's look at chapter 3. Oh, when I was uh, we were studying at home and uh, I asked someone, oh, who was Moses' dad's name? I said, real. Everybody said, no. It's Jethro. I said, but Exodus chapter 2, verse 18 says something different. He said, Moses' father in law was real. It's the same person. It's the same person. In Numbers 10, verse 29. Yeah? It's the same person. Good. That's the beauty of these things, isn't it? Exciting. Okay. Chapter 3, verse 2 to 6. Chapter 3, verse 2 to 6. What we see there is the angel of the Lord appearing to Moses in the flame of fire and called him, saying, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. This is what theologians call, uh, some call it 
theophany, but more accurately, Christophany. The appearing of Jesus Christ in the uh, Old Testament in human form. Now, God appears to Moses, and first thing he says, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. That's interesting. He's interesting. Moses doesn't grasp it. Quite. He continued to ask him, what should I tell them? They all say, okay. And God said to Moses, Exodus 3, 14 to 15, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your father, the God of Abel, God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. Now listen. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. When we pray to the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, it's not a nickname for God. It's one of his name. If that's the case, how can believers hate Israel? How? How can you lend your strength to the very people who want to destroy the people of the God in Washington. That makes sense to me. I have found quite few believers saying that. Oh yeah, but you know, you know the Palestinians. Oh, you know the, the Palestinians are not there for pity. They're there to destroy Israel. Mm-hmm. I was in a conference somewhere where there was a presentation of the Asians country there. And the person who was making the presentation was a Muslim. And he was naming all the country and skipped Israel. Wow, the IT manager got very angry. He was a British guy. He said, you've missed one. He said, which one? Israel. <laughs> we worship the God of Abraham. God blesses those who bless Israel. Mm, yeah. I know what might be going in your, in your head. You might be saying, well, but I know one Israel guy. He wasn't really good, man. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about God. Yeah. That's the starting point. And God said, that will be taught to generations as a memorial. Outside the God of Israel, you were lost. Idolatry. Exodus chapter 4. Moses pleads with God because he is slow to speak. And he said he is not eloquent like me. Not eloquent like me. Is non-eloquent like me. That's what I mean. Don't misunderstand me. So he is not eloquent like Guy. I'm not. I'm not sophisticated. 
just giving you in my very approximative English whatever needs to be given to you. Make an effort to understand. <laughs> By the Holy Spirit. But the more Moses complains about that, the more God got irritated. He is the one who is calling him. And Moses, oh, I can't talk. Um, he had the point. Remember, he was raised in the royal palace. So he knows that in order to stand in front of Pharaoh and to talk, you have to talk sense. You have to be sound in your reasoning. He said, I'm not that person. He gives a suggestion to God. Find someone else. Find someone else, not me. Not once. He repeats that about three times. The work starts, Moses stands again. Oh, Lord, oh, I can't. That should be our attitude in serving the Lord. The strength of God is perfected in our weaknesses. If we think that we are all sufficient, there's no room for God. Bring your weakness before God. Cry before God. Bring your misery before God. And let God fulfill His purpose in your life. Allow God to perfect His strength in your life. Give Him some room is my suggestion today. If we want to serve God, we saw in tears, says Psalm 126, verse 6. He who goes sowing, weeping, will come back rejoicing with the sheaves we saw in tears. There's no strength. We rely on God on daily basis for Him to fulfill what He wants to fulfill for our insignificant life. Are we willing? Are we willing to have the porter fulfill His purpose in our life? Or are we too strong? No one can tell us anything. We know everything. Friends, I'm not here to talk about me. I'm telling you the ways of God. The friendship of God. When I do this, I'm showing the song that we saw. The strength, the friendship of God is for those who fear His name. If we want to go far with God, let us humble before God. And God will fulfill His purpose. Why? You make, I can see you making an effort even to listen to what I'm telling you. But if God can use me, He can use you. He's probably using you better than me. I can't even talk. You get even annoyed by my accent, but I can talk. If God can use me, someone like me, He can certainly use you more. You know my weaknesses. 
Don't, don't waste your time. I've told you so many times. He's like, this is you want to come to me, I'll give you a full list of them. Waste your time. He's done this, he's not doing this now. Come to me. I will show you great and mighty things you don't know about me. Praise the Lord. Okay. I am going to stop here and I will call to you next week. May the Lord bless you and thanks for your listening. I sense that you wanted to continue. Now we need to respect the time and stop. Next time, God will help us. May the Lord encourage you. Do not feel offended. I'm not after you. I am for you. I am for each one of us that we may all grow as a body and God to teach us his ways and God raised amongst us workers people who are determined after this meeting I'm having a meeting with our evangelist team now we have an evangelist team and we'll be stressing one another in the might of the Lord for it's not by strength nor by might but by the spirit of God God can use everybody who makes himself available to him. May the Lord bless you. Let's pray. Loving Father, we bless you, O God. We commit our life all the more unto you. And we pray that, Lord, you will cleanse us, Lord. That, Lord God Almighty, you will make us to become the kind of persons you want us to be. And to grow in more Christ-likeness, we pray. Lord, we cast down before you our weaknesses, Lord, our tears, Lord, our frailty, our vulnerability and fragility, oh God Almighty. We are without strength, but you are mighty. We look to you, Lord, for the future. We commit our lives, Lord, and the future of this congregation unto your hand. We also pray, Lord, for anyone amongst us, Lord, who is weary, whether spiritually or in their body, Lord God Almighty, may you bring your deliverance, Lord, we pray. Lord, we look to you. We trust you, Lord, until you return. We give you praise and we give you glory. In the name of Jesus. Amen.